I'm going to be uh, short. How about I just set a clock, huh? That, that'd be smart. That seems like a, a good thing to do at this point. Um, all right, there we go. Um, I just want to say open your Bibles too. I've been waiting for three months to say that, so just open your Bibles too. I'm not even sure where we're going yet. Just a second. Okay, Matthew chapter 9. Uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Um, so Ed said something that I thought was interesting um, since God laid it on my heart, so I'm just going to start right there. And uh, we didn't plan this, but uh, the Holy Spirit orchestrated it, and I appreciate that about God. Um, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. There is nothing better for us to do than to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. And healing every disease and every affliction. Don't you wish Jesus was on the earth right now? Every disease, every affliction. Pandemic, what? Like, Jesus would just take care of that. Every disease, every affliction. And, and I think about those things and I think, man, then why, God? Why are we in the mess we are in? Why is our world upside down? Why is our church hurting? And then it says this. Just look, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Anybody feel that way? A little harassed, a little helpless, in need of a good shepherd. I feel that way. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out to send out laborers into the harvest. So I want you to notice that when God sees us hurting, he stays on mission, right? He doesn't go, oh, we're hurting. Let's just lay down. Oh, this is so hard. Oh. Like he is like, okay, look around. We need more laborers. We need stronger churches, right? Which means we need stronger church members, which means we need to be stronger in the faith ourselves personally. And it's hard to do that when you're, when you're suffering, when you're struggling. But can I just commit to you right now, just kind of, would you consider that suffering is the way forward to a stronger you? Could you just like, just, just pause a second in the midst of your own pain, I don't know what you came in here with, and just think about it for a second rationally, because we don't think about our pain rationally. I didn't. You don't. Is this what God's using to grow us? I believe He is. And I believe that our response should be to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers for the harvest. And I have noticed that when people really pray that prayer, that usually they're the one going. And so could God be just saying, I want to use you? He wants to use us. I'm not going to put words in God's mouth. You need to get alone with God in the secret place each morning and ask him what your assignment is today, this week, ongoing. Flip over just one page. Um, right after that, he actually sends his disciples out. I'd love for you to read chapter 10 of Matthew because it deals with persecution, which I believe uh, is here and coming. It, it 
It talks about fear and having no fear. It talks about the sword versus peace. These are counterintuitive things that Jesus is saying, but he's saying them to us as disciples. And then he gets to chapter 11. And John the Baptist, the guy who baptized him, the guy who saw the dove come down on his head, is now in prison. And when things are tough, guess what John says? Are you the Messiah? I mean, just think about that. Just think about the fact that John the Baptist, the one who heard the Father say, the one who the dove comes down on, that is the one who is the Messiah. And the confirmation of that. Just think about that. And John says, are you the Messiah? So even John the Baptist, who's the best prophet ever, Jesus says just a second later, and and the best person born of woman, and all of these things, all these accolades that John the Baptist has. His message to John the Baptist is this, verse 6 of chapter 11. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Oh, that cuts a little deep. Because sometimes I'm offended that God would treat me that way. Sometimes I'm offended that God would treat the church, his bride, that way. Sometimes I'm offended that our world would have to go through so much pain. Sometimes I'm offended at what Jesus is doing. You're like, ooh, the pastor said that. Yep, I did. Because I'm going to be honest. And Jesus is clearly saying, don't be offended. Blessed if you're not offended with me. And uh, I love that about Jesus, how clear he is, how he cuts to the chase. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So no matter where you find yourself, um, just, just think about the fact that God sees that we're helpless and harassed. Think about the fact that even the best of Christians fall off the fact that they can be confident in Jesus Christ, right? And then get back to the bottom of chapter 11. Look at verse 28. Here's what it says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke is a weight, but it's the right kind of weight, and it's God's weight for you. It's Jesus' yoke on your life, and learn from me. Learn my teachings. Learn to submit to me. Learn to come uh, in alignment with, with me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I came to ask you a question before I head into Lamentations. What are you carrying right now? I think the last three months for me has been what I will uh, refer to as the dark night of the soul. You might read it in Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death, um, where you think to yourself, I don't think God loves me. I don't think he's for me. It can't happen. My circumstances and who God is, the character and the, uh, the circumstances don't match up. And so therefore, I'm a sovereignty God. God must have said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Maybe I'm in the hated category, right? And uh, I think if we were honest, we've all been there at one point or time where we just go, I think God hates me. I think God's done with me. I don't think God 
is for me. And I think in the current state of our church, in the current state of our uh, nation, maybe even the current state of your life, whatever you carried in here today, you could have those thoughts. And so what I want to do is I want to go to a book of the Bible where God says, I've given you this book because you have those thoughts. I've given you this book because sometimes it's going to be so hard, you just want to cry. You just want to grieve. You just want to lament. And so flip over to Lamentations. Lamentations, I'm going to... I don't know how many weeks we're going to be in Lamentations. I, I really don't. It's five chapters. I would like to do it all at once. That's not going to happen today. Because the more I read it, the more there is to say. And uh, it's not all fun stuff. It's not all giggly and chipper. Uh, but it is helpful. It's really helpful in processing the pain and suffering that we go through in life. So, I'm speaking to you all like you're here, and uh, I just forgot to mention that we do have people watching online. And I'll just apologize for the quality because, you know, there's wind and all these things now. But thanks so much for joining us online. We're here gathered in my front yard. I guess that's my house. Sorry. And uh, we're, just, we're just having a good time in the Word. Okay, so we're now in Lamentations. Everybody over there now? I stalled for you just a little bit. All right. Because you had to go to the table of contents, right? Come on now. Somebody had to do that. Um, all right. It's all good. We're learning. Lamentations chapter 1. So here's the thing. Uh, I want to just set up Lamentations a little bit. So I said, what are you carrying today? How do you need to unburden yourself to Jesus today? Because he says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. Take your, my yoke upon you, right? He wants to... He wants to carry your burden. You don't have to carry it alone. He'll slip up under that with you. Think about a yoke. There's two oxen, right? It's nice. And he'll be the leader. We're in Lamentations, and here's the thing. We need to learn to lament. It's not something we do well. And we need to learn from lament. Lament is the place to learn. And so as we learn the ways of Jesus, this is an important uh, um, book for us as we go forward. I'm going to just define lament, and I'm going to use this book. I know I mentioned this to you before I left for three months. Um, sounds like I was in Hawaii or something. Before I stopped working at the church so diligently and started like working from home um, on my own heart and my own life, which was phenomenal. Thank you for that time. I, I do, that's your dollars. That's your tithes and offerings. I'm aware of that. You gave me a gift. Get healthy, Steve. And I'm grateful. Thank you. I appreciate it. It gave me the time to lament. And this book that I mentioned before I went uh, on time out or whatever you want to call it, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Mark Vrogop. Okay? So if you, if you don't have this book, and you're struggling with anything in your life, you want to pick this book up, okay? And uh, I'll leave it up here so you can see it and take a picture of it or something uh, a distance that way. Uh, or just text me or, or call and I'll, I'll get you the information. Lament can be defined as a loud cry, a howl, a passionate expression of grief. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. 
It says, where are you, God? And if you love me, why is this happening? I think the first time my wife and I ever really truly lamented, uh, we, we lost a baby. And um, it's a gift now, but at the time, you just wanted to cry. It's a gift now because you know that, that baby's in heaven and one day we're going to be with Trey, who's a third kid. And uh, boy or girl, don't know. If you love me, where, wh- why is this happening? Where are you, God? And that kind of thinking is what uh, we need to do when our heart is breaking and we have no hope. Key elements of uh, lament, here they are, an address to God. Really, it's a turning to God in prayer. A complaint, God, it doesn't match up. What I've read about you, what I think of you, doesn't match up with what's happening in my life right now. A request, it's asking God boldly to do something on your behalf. And then it is an expression of trust or praise. God, you have it. I'm giving it to you. This is lament. So I'm going to give it to you in four words. If you want to write it down, that's great. If not, you can try to remember it or read the book. Turn. Turn to prayer. Complain about your circumstances. (laughs) Ask boldly for something to change and trust that God has it. That is lament. Lament invites us to turn our gaze from the rubble of life to the Redeemer of every hurt. I recommend you pick up this book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It'll take you through Psalms and it'll take you through Lamentations. So I think I've set it up enough. Um, There's so much more I could say. I think here are a few more things that I think are important. Um, You're going to learn how to repent of sin in this book. You're going to learn to be ready for Jesus because this is the day of the Lord that's happened here, 586. B.C., when Jerusalem was laid ruins by Babylon. And uh, Jeremiah, who is the writer of this, is now writing a very orderly account, alphabet, Hebrew alphabet after, you know, letter after letter. It's an acrostic, like IBM, right? Independent, business, what is it? Machines, okay. So it's just like that. So it's like, All the Hebrew letters, there's 22 of them. Look at your Bible, there's 22 verses. Three stanzas in each verse. And it's A, Beth, Gimel. It just keeps going, right? And he writes a very orderly uh, account through the power of the Holy Spirit because in his pain there's chaos, but he wants us to remember, he wants us to remember a memorial, it's, a, it's like a, a funeral speech, right? Where it's like, hey, let's not forget this happened because this is going to counsel us. And one of the things that's going to counsel us is to be ready for Jesus, the day of the Lord. The actual day is coming when Jesus comes back and it's going to be way more devastating than what we can feel now with even a pandemic. It's going to be way more devastating than what they felt then. It's going to be catastrophic. And we're supposed to be prepared for that as believers in Jesus Christ. And then last, it, this book will help you rest in God's faithfulness. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. A spiritual wake-up call. 
This book is a spiritual wake-up call. It's going to awaken you to a few things. One, it's going to awaken you to recognize that your sin is the problem. Did you know that? Now you came to church today to hear the obvious. Sin is the real problem. You're like, thanks, thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. I, uh, I knew that actually already. But didn't you forget? When your wife said something to you yesterday and you snapped back, didn't you forget sin was the problem and not her? Didn't you forget when your kid said something you didn't exactly agree with and your desires were opposed to theirs? That sin was the real enemy, not your son or daughter? And we forget, right? And so it's good to be reminded that sin is the enemy, not any flesh and bones, not any, you know, sin is the actual problem, and it's my sin. Now, when you get to that point where you're like, my sin's the problem, then what happens? Then you start to beat yourself up. I don't want you to beat yourself up, so this next point is very important. Recognize sin is the real problem, my sin. Okay, here's the second thing. Remember, my sin and suffering are the are not the only problems. My sin and suffering are not the only problems. Does he mean there's other sin in the world? Not mine? Yeah. You mean there's other people to blame? Well, there's sin, yes. Don't blame them. Blame the sin, right? And try to work with them to get through the sin. That's what lament helps us to do. It's a spiritual wake-up call. This last kind of thing before I read the passage. Realize lament awakens my soul to God's purpose and plan. So you have a purpose and plan for your life. If you don't, I'm sorry, I could do some coaching with you. I have, I have a plan for your, your life. It won't be that hard. But, you know, just get around, what I'm trying to say there is just get around somebody who's an ideas factory. Just get around somebody who's like a visionary and they'll be like, man, I could see you doing this and could see you doing that, you know? So just if, you did, if you're just like, I don't have any ideas about where my life's going. Well, then just get around somebody that does and they'll tell you. But that's not as helpful as... And I hope that's not why you came to church today. So Steve could tell you, here's what your life is like. That, that's not the best, right? To have a plan for yourself. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the Lord that establishes them all. Lament helps you realize, it, it awakens your soul to God's purpose and plan. Lament is the way back to God. It is the way back onto the highway that God wants you on. So, all that to be said, let me just read the passage really quickly. So I'm going to go for chapter 1. How, and how is just interesting, in the Hebrew it's like an expression, not a word. So it's just like, you know, eh, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become she was great among the nations. She was a princess among the provinces. And she's become a slave. Now, you're going to see in the next nine verses how she, she, Lady Zion, okay, this city, Jerusalem, right, this nation, Judah, is 
being really, um, how do I say it? Well, the truth is being stated about her. And it's not a very fun truth. It's, it's the human condition at its worst. So the human condition at its worst. In verses 1 and 2, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole passage because I asked you to read before you came. And I want, I want you guys to kind of, you can read it when you leave and so on and so forth. But you'll see the word she, she, her, she, her, her, she, Judah, she, her. It's like all over here. And it's this human condition. And you see in verses 1 and 2, broken relationships. And you see in verses 1 and 3, lost status. A lost status. You see in verses 3, 7, 8, and 9, restlessness and shame. You see in verses 4, dead worship. Nobody's going up to the festival anymore. Nobody's coming to church. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I'm not hating. I haven't been to church in five months. Right? It's hard when you're like in your living room. It doesn't feel the same as this does. So thank you for coming today. Dead worship. And then 4B says no leaders. That's what the human condition is. It's just no leaders, no leadership. No future in verses 4, 5, 6, and 9. And then in verse 5, guilt before God. Because God's a holy God, verses 1 through 9 say this, because God's a holy God, you don't stack up. Can I get an amen? Like, yeah, that's true. Like, for sure it is. I don't stack up. It's good to know. It's good to know. And then the next 9 to 17 talks about the price of sin. So let me read for you just 9. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. That's a graphic picture. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. No comforter. The price of sin, verses 9 and 10, is silence. God's not talking. There's something separating you from him, something separating me from him. In verse 11, you see needs not being met. I'm not, I'm not fulfilled anymore. In verse 13, you see enduring pain. It's getting harder and harder and harder. In verse 14 and 15, you see you feel trapped by God and your strength fades away. In verse 16 and 17, you sense that God's blessing is being removed. God, where are you going? If I mean, Ed said it today. I've said it several times. If you're not going with us, God, we're not leaving here. That's what Moses said in Genesis or Exodus 33. If you don't go with us, we're not going forward. And, and church, do we believe that? Because we need to pray that. God, if you're not going to go with us, then let's shut down church now. If you're not going to go with us, then we're not going anywhere. We need you to go with us. And the price of sin is just this hard realization, that this sense that the blessing is sliding away. Look at verse 18, and then I'm going to be done. Verse 18. This is the turning point. This is hard truth. This is when you like get on your face in the dust. The Lord is in the right. The 
can't stand before God and say, God, you're wrong, I'm right. What you're doing is not okay. The pandemic, not okay. Church split or trauma, not okay. You can't, you can't say that. The, the Lord is in the right. For I have rebelled against his word. Notice that the writer who's talking about she and talking about the nation and all that makes it very personal right now. And I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus to not point fingers at other people, but to be very clear about who we need to go for. I, I, it says, have rebelled against your word. And then this, but hear all you peoples. So it's like he he says to God, God, you're right. And then he kind of says out loud to himself, I'm the problem. I rebelled against God. And saying out loud sometimes can help. Just hearing it. And then he's like, not only am I going to say it to me, but now since I said it to me and I believe it, I can say it to everybody else. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering, right? It's like, what's happening to me? What's happening to us? It's not God's fault. I want to shake my fist so hard at him, but it's not his fault. It's sin. My sin and the sin of others, we all have to look at our own. And what is our response? We lament. We lament. We cry out to God and say, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst a people of uncleanness. Because God is a holy God. And we are not quite. Not yet. We need to be a holy people. I'm going to end there. There's so much more I could say. You could write this down if you want to just write down the points. The turning point is this. God is right, which means I'm wrong. Number two, I have re- rebelled. You got to own it. You got to own it. You got to say it. I have rebelled. It was me. I did it. And then last, open to suffering well. Be open to suffering well. Hey, if I have to walk through this, I can walk through this kicking and screaming. And a lot of other people can see my tantrum. tantrum. Have you ever seen a kid in a grocery store? Sorry, not calling anybody out. I've seen my own kid in the grocery store. It didn't mean that, like, not my kids. Like, my kids could do this too. But they're just, like, throwing a huge fit. Everybody around them is uncomfortable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we get it. I feel like that's what this this whole situation has been like for me. God putting his hand on me and me throwing a temper tantrum and everybody else around me feeling very uncomfortable. That's what it feels like. And it's good to realize that and to see it and to be led back to the openness to suffer well. It's good to get under the yoke. It's good to suffer well. So, What's your burden today? What are you holding on to? I thought we could just end like this. I'm going to pray. But you don't have to leave, right? 
why don't you like talk to your family or anybody you feel comfortable physically distancing with, but being together, why don't you just get around some people and say, hey, yeah, I need to lament. I need to weep. And it's not a quiet thing. If you're like, oh yeah, you know, it's, just, it's, it's like, dude, it's passionate. It's on. And so, you know, I know it's embarrassing to admit your sins to one another or to just say that you don't have it all together. But if we're not going to do that, I don't know how we're going to move forward. If we're not honest with God, you're holy, I'm not. I don't know how we're going to move forward, right? Because it's in that getting low that God meets us there and he says, we'll get to chapter 3. You, you go read ahead. We'll get to chapter 3 where you can have hope in the Lord in the middle of all this chaos that Lamentations talks about. Let's pray. Father God, thank you very much that we could be here. Thank you for this, uh, what I'll call devotional. And I pray that, um, yeah, it'll impact us. I mean, we're looking at Lamentations as we read it this week. May our notes come alive. May we think about what we've heard. May it, uh, your Holy Spirit in that secret place where we gather with you, may he press into us the truth and may the application come from the Holy Spirit. And may we submit, change, and be more full than we've ever been of your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, application. You can hang out. You can do whatever you want. But you can also get with somebody just a little, hey, I'm struggling right now. I just wanted to say that out loud. I just wanted to hear myself say it. And, and, I want to suffer well. And so would you pray for me? And let's go through this together. And let's get up under this load because it's heavy. Okay? All right? All right. You are loved.